welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Thank you. Hey, welcome uh, to Lighthouse Community. So glad all of you are here this morning. Also want to say welcome to our online campus. Thanks for joining. And uh, also welcome to Bluffton Community. Glad you guys are with us today. Uh, So glad everyone you're here. As John mentioned, Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, that's where we're going to be at today. So you can turn there, click over in your device. Um, So that uh, passage uh, is actually kind of towards the back of the Bible. It's in the New Testament, so uh, you can find that there. And while you're going to find that passage, and before we kick off our brand new series, I did want to share uh, with you just a brief update of things that are going on within our church family. Uh, many of you already know that uh, months ago, we decided that it was right and it was time uh, for us to take the next steps on purchasing uh, a new property uh, in the plan to build a new location. We know that God's doing some great stuff here, and we think there's some next steps that he uh, wants us to take within all of that as well. And so uh, one of the reasons that we really recognize that uh, this seems to be a direction that God is leading uh, is for the fact that there's like 50,000 people in Hancock County. That number's probably larger than that, of people who are living without Jesus Christ right now. And then when you pull in Allen County uh, with Bluffton Community, that number goes up uh, even more. And so we recognize that if we're going to effectively share the gospel, if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to stay in step with the Holy Spirit, then uh, we're probably going to need lots of disciples, uh, and we're probably going to need lots of churches to meet that need of sharing the gospel here in Hancock County. So we think this new ministry center is going to allow us to equip uh, disciples in their spiritual growth so that they can go on and disciple others as well. And so what I wanted to let you know is that this week, actually on Thursday, we are submitting uh, our plans, our, our site plans and our conceptual building design to the Findlay Planning Commission, and then they're going to kind of give their yay or nay whether we're going forward with this thing within city limits uh, or not. And so uh, a lot of times what happens is the newspaper will uh, report on the happenings that go on there, so you may see something about that uh, in the courier. Uh, So, uh, you know, just be be prepared that may be taking place, but we wanted you guys to have heads up and know what was going on. And and there's been so many different people who have been speaking into this development and helping us to get to this point uh, at all of our locations, um, just people helping along the way. So just huge thanks to them, uh, helping us take those steps to get us where we are today. Now, here's what I'm asking uh, all of us uh, here in the house, online and at Bluffton, uh, if you would do uh, and, and join with me in being a part of the vision is this. Will you, will you keep praying for Lighthouse Community in the journey? Will you do that? Is that we're good? Okay, all right, Jesse and I, we are ready, right? We are praying through this thing, right? Uh, all is good. But uh, especially, you know, what this means, if we get an approval from, from the commission, what that does is just open up the doors and gives us confidence and be able to close on the property, take all the next steps uh, that are involved within that in the family of churches. And so I want you to think about this. Uh, Hancock County, Allen County, Putnam County, Seneca County, 
right? Wood County, our families, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, right? It's, it's going to take lots of disciples. It's going to take lots of churches unified, right? Single-minded in helping people discover who Jesus Christ is and saying yes to him as their forgiver and leader. And so we think that this one step is actually going to help us get uh, to that place. Uh, so yeah, we're going in that direction. We're pretty excited about it. I hope you are too. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's where we're going. I know we've been praying a lot this morning, and uh, we're going to just pray again because it feels like this is a big step and we should do that. Um, so let's just take like 10 seconds and pray uh, God's guidance over this uh, next step as a church family. Father, we, uh, we really think this is of you. Uh, it seems like you've opened up these doors. You have led the way, and uh, we want to stay. We want to continue staying in step with that. And so uh, help us to trust you um, every step of the way. Uh, We're not asking for things to go smooth. Uh, We're not even asking for things to go uh, perfectly the way that we think they could go. Uh, What we're asking is help us to trust you every single step of the way and never lose sight of the vision of sharing the gospel with our county and with our region. Lead us in that endeavor, will you please? We ask in your great name, Jesus. Everybody said... Amen. All right. Great. Hey, we are kicking off a brand new series today called King Forever, and we're studying through the New Testament letter of Colossians. I'm really, really excited for this series, uh, for this letter, because this is so timely for us, right? Especially in our church families. Uh, But you might not know this, but when this letter was written uh, to the disciples in Colossae, uh, this was a very young church, probably just a couple of years old, right? Um, not not very established. It's, it's brand new. And so Lighthouse Community, this next coming February, we're going to be celebrating our fifth birthday, right? Like we're not even five yet. And so, uh, yeah, we're celebrating that. And then Bluffton Community, you guys, I think maybe next Sunday or the Sunday after are going to be six months, right? So you got like a toddler and an infant, right? Like we're just trying to do what we can in following Jesus Christ. And, and so you got Lighthouse, you got Bluffton brand new churches, and you got the church in Colossae. Uh, so I think this letter is going to hit home for us so, so well. And so I want to say this to you, if you're here this morning, if you're here this morning and you're investigating who Jesus is and you're wondering like this whole God thing, this series is going to be really helpful for you, right? And I hope you'll hang with us. Uh, if you're here this morning, and you're a new believer, and you're wanting to find out more about the person and the character of God. What's he like, right? What's it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, I hope you'll stick around with us these next few weeks. If you've been following Jesus for a little while, and you're ready to take next steps in your journey, uh, maybe you're seeking to find freedom from sin in your life. Maybe you're wanting to discover and use your spiritual gifts in ministry. Um, I think this series is going to be really, really helpful for you. And, And here's what I would say to another group of you this morning. Maybe you have been a part of the church for a really long time, right? And you're tired. And you're tired of religion. And you're tired of all of the obligation and the guilt that gets placed down on you by lots of other well-intending people. And you're tired of, of feeling like you're never doing enough. I want to invite you to journey with us over the next eight weeks. And the reason I want to invite you to do that is I think you are going to find hope and I think you're going to find healing through Jesus and through the scriptures and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so I want to invite you to hang with us. And so King Forever, it's exactly what it says. Jesus is king, right? He's, he's king forever. He's king forever past. 
He's king forever present. He's king forever future. There has never been a time, there never will be a time, when Jesus is not king. And he's good. Right? He's a good king. And so let's jump into our passage this morning. We're in Colossians 1. Oh, uh, by the way, I do want to let you know, uh, we do have this free resource, uh, resource for you at the Connection Center. This is pretty cool. This is actually what's called uh, a scripture journal. And so uh, if you pick this up, what you're going to get is you're going to get the book of Colossians, and then you've got like these uh, spaces uh, next to the passages where you can write things, you can capture your thoughts, you can do doodles, uh, all kinds of things, but journey with us through the scriptures. And then just as a bonus, we threw in Philemon, right? Because, uh, yeah, um, you got to have it. So uh, <laughs> that one's free. The whole thing's free, right? It's like double free. We're basically paying you to take it. Um, but uh, So pick that up on your way out. I think that's going to be a great resource. Uh, we've got plenty for everybody here this morning. Okay, let's read Colossians 1, starting with verse 1. I'm going to read uh, from the English Standard Version, but you can follow along with the version that you've got. This is what it says. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, let me set the scene uh, very quickly. Some of you may know who Paul is. You're very familiar with him. Others are like, well, this is kind of a new name. And so what you've got is you've got Paul, who is like one of the most effective disciple makers that the church has ever seen. Uh, he shared the gospel everywhere he went. Everywhere he goes, he's making disciples. Everywhere he goes, these disciples are gathering together and churches are being born out of this. God is using him remarkably right all over this region. But that's not where Paul started. See, Paul's story, actually, he began as Saul. That was, that was his name originally, it was Saul. And before Saul met Jesus, Saul hated Jesus, hated him. He wanted to do anything good to stop the name of Jesus. So what he actually did is he committed his life to traveling around the Israeli region, hunting down, looking for, arresting, and even killing Christians. That's how he spent the first part of his life. This is how much he hated Jesus, right? Could not stand him in any way whatsoever. One day, when Saul is on his way hunting uh, Christians, the resurrected Jesus showed himself to Saul. And, and in the very condensed version, Saul became a Christ follower. His life was transformed, like overwhelmingly, right? So now, instead of hunting down and opposing disciples, Paul shared the gospel and made new disciples and gave his life to Jesus, right? What a transformation. Think about that. Think about, if God can do that in the life of Saul, he hated Jesus, couldn't stand him at all. That if God could do that in the life of Saul, how could God transform your life? How could he change you? What could he do, right, to change your heart, your desires, your, your passions, all of those things, and bring healing to that? That's Paul's story. But then, on one of Paul's disciple-making trips, right, he meets this young man, Timothy. And Timothy became a disciple, too. And Paul and Timothy were, became very, very close friends, almost like this father-son relationship. 
I mean, they cared deeply for one another. And Timothy traveled with Paul, sharing the gospel, making disciples, actually helping to lead some of these new churches that, that welled up out of that. And so you've got Paul and Timothy who wrote this letter to the Colossians. And I want to make one clarification uh, in the passage that we read. Because in verse 2, it says, you know, uh, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, and it says, to the saints. Okay? And so when we hear that word or hear that language to the saints, some of us might very, very quickly uh, think, begin thinking about other religions that will place the special, uh, a, a special title of saint on some very unique people of the faith, right? Uh, saint Paul, Saint Christopher, Saint Nick, right? Like all, all, all of these, he was a saint, he really was. <laughs> Love that guy. Uh, but uh, no, so you got all these people, but when Paul is using the word saint, he's not, he's not using it that way. Right? You actually know, do you know what saint means when you read it in the Bible? You know what the literal translation is when it says saint? It's holy ones. That's, that's literally what the word saint means when you see it in the Bible. Holy ones, right? And so do you know, do you know who the holy ones are that he's referring to? Every single born-again believer in Jesus Christ is a saint. Did you know that? Every person who has genuinely come to faith in Jesus is a, is a holy one, right? We're relabeled saints because of Jesus. Jesus turned you into a saint, right? Some spouses are elbowing, right? They're significant. See, I told you. <laughs> Been dealing with you for 27 years, <laughs> Right? But so Paul and Timothy, they write this letter to the saints, to the disciples, to the born-again believers in Colossae. And, and Colossae is exposed to all kinds of different right, beliefs, all kinds of different philosophies, uh, ways of living, floating all around their town. Right? You've got wealthy, you've got poor, you've got white-collar, you've got rural, you've got all these diverse lifestyles. And like, this is right. Nah, I think this is right. Well, that might be good for you, but this is really what's for me. When you think about it, and you kind of compare apples to apples, it's not that vastly different from where we live today, right? Right here in Hancock County, right? Bluffton, Allen County. It's not, not that huge of a difference. Here's, here's why I want to share all this with you about Paul, about Timothy, about Colossae, about all these things. These are real people engaging in real ministry, living in a real city, dealing with real issues every single day, just like you and me. They are not so far removed from us. We, we have so much to learn from this letter to the Colossians. And so I love how Paul started out this letter. Check out uh, verse 3. It says this, uh, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Uh, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before uh, in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world, it's bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Isn't it cool how Paul writes, right? He, Paul, he, he writes how some of you guys text. It's just, it's just nonstop. There's no breath in there anywhere between, right? It's like it's a text and you get a novel. 
right? <laughs> like, that's what Paul's doing here. Um, that's what's going on. I can imagine, like, Paul with T9 back in the day, like, oh, yeah, baby, just crushing it. Um, so, but, but I want you to think, like, look, look at how warm this letter. Some of you guys, what's T9? Wait, like, that's, that's where you're going there right now. It's like, Oh, just look it up. Um, anyways, <laughs> so I just, just look, at, look at how warm this letter is that Paul writes. Right? He's like, we, we always, we always thank God for you whenever we pray for you, when we think about you. Like, we've heard about your faith in Christ. We've heard about your love for each other. We've heard about the hope that you have because of the gospel. You are an encouragement to us. You are an encouragement to so many other people. I can't even tell you how much we care about you. Right, Paul and Timothy love this church deeply. Do you want to hear something crazy? There is no record that Paul ever visited Colossae. He, he likely, we don't, we, we don't think he's ever been in the city of Colossae. He was never there, Right? If you, if you follow, listen, if you follow like the gospel trail um, from Colossae and how it gets to Paul, this is likely how it goes. Paul is in the city of Ephesus, right? He's dis- making disciples. He's teaching people about who Jesus is. And Ephesus is like a two-hour drive from Colossae, right? So you hop on your mule and you get there, you know, two hours, give or take. And, and so uh, what happens is while Paul is discipling in Ephesus, there's a guy by the name of Epaphras who ends up coming to faith under his ministry. And Epaphras, his hometown is the city of Colossae. So after he's learned about who Jesus is, he's been transformed by the gospel after coming to faith, then Epaphras goes back to his hometown of Colossae, shared the gospel with his city, making disciples. More and more people come to faith in Jesus, and a church was born. That's most likely how this happened. You have to see this. That, that's actually, do you know that's how the gospel works? That, that's actually how the gospel travels. See, the, God causes the gospel to spread around the world much like this. It, just using regular people like you and me, right? Regular people like Epaphras, who we simply tell each other about the life-changing hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Right? Just, man, this is Jesus, what he's done to me. i got to tell you, he can do this thing in you as well. And as we do that, God uses us, he empowers us. And, and that's what Paul's explaining to the Colossians right here in verses 6 and 7. Right? What he, here's what he's saying. He's going, listen, the gospel is exploding everywhere, right? Like people are just sharing it with each other, and, and, the, and the Holy Spirit's drawing people to genuine faith in Jesus Christ, and like all this stuff is going on all around. You remember when Epaphras came and that happened in your city? That's happening in other places too. God is using people like you all over the world, and he still is. I love that about Epaphras' journey. Because here you got, here's a guy who wasn't even a believer, right? He heard the gospel, and he was born again in Christ. That, that's, that's where it began. And then, after, after like journeying with someone who can teach him and train him, all this kind of stuff, this disciple went home, and he became a disciple maker. And God used him remarkably. Actually, so much in verse 8, right? Paul refers to Epaphras, he says, or excuse me, verse 7. He says, this, this is our ministry partner. We love this guy. This guy is on it. He's he's one of you. He's one of you. 
And so here Epaphras just going one step at a time in his journey following Jesus. What's your next step? I want you to think about that. Where, where are you right now in your journey with Jesus Christ? Have you, are you kind of wrestling with whether faith is legitimate? Are you trying to figure out what your next step is since you've come to faith? Are you kind of like wondering what all, right? What's your next step? It may be that actually for some of us here this morning, the next step may actually be saying yes to Jesus Christ to be our forgiver and our leader. The next step for some of you actually might be the step of baptism, right? August 22nd, we're going to be celebrating baptisms here. And so maybe that might be a next step for you to, to say, yeah, I've said yes to Jesus and, and I'm going to make a public statement and I don't care who knows about it. Right? Maybe, maybe the next step for you is to actually sh- it's like talk about who Jesus is with a friend. Maybe it's starting a small group in your, in your town or, or your community, your neighborhood. How might, how might God use you if you said yes to joining a ministry team and partnering with other believers right, in ministry? Maybe, maybe for some of you, it's actually moving from our online campus and, and coming to one of our, our physical locations. Maybe that's a next step for you. you know, I, I, I don't know. But I know that our journeys in following Jesus, it's simply one step at a time. And as God speaks, we step. He speaks, we step. If he doesn't speak, then we don't step and we wait, right? But he's always inviting us forward. And so Paul... Paul encouraged these Colossian disciples in their faith, in their love, and in their hope. Because he says this, right? I always thank God for you when I pray for you. And then he does this. He gives us this wonderful glimpse into how he prays for them. What does prayer for the Colossians look like in the life of Paul? Well, that starts here in verse 9. It says this. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And I'd like to read verses 13 and 14 out loud together if we can do that. Here on uh, Lighthouse at Bluffton, all over, let's read these verses together, starting with, He has delivered us. Are you ready? Go. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I like that. That's good stuff right there. That'll preach. Um, Listen, I I want you to notice. I want you to notice what Paul prays for the disciples in Colossae. Here's the first thing he prays for them. Paul prayed. He says, I pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. All right? And, And do so with spiritual wisdom and understanding. Do you know what he's inviting these disciples to do? He's inviting these Colossians to take on an eternal perspective, right? As opposed to an earthly perspective. 
He's, he's inviting these believers, look, look ahead, think about God, think about who he is, think about what he's capable of, think about his authority, think about how, how massive and huge and wise and trusting and good, all of those things, rather than focusing on this tiny little sliver that you can see right in front of you. Here, here's what I mean by that. Uh, many of you know my, my dad was not a follower of Jesus Christ. And in 2007, he was diagnosed with the most aggressive form of brain cancer um, that you can get a diagnosis about. And, and being very transparent with you, with everybody, I was angry at God when I got the news, just being straight up. And I let him know. And, and here's why I was angry. Because I knew that my dad didn't have much time left according to the diagnosis. And I was angry that God would not give him more time to know him. And I was angry. I was upset. And I told him that. I didn't shy away from it. Like God's really afraid of me. Uh, but, you know, so I, but I let, you know, let him have it, right? My dad's going to die without knowing Jesus. Here's a short version of that story. God used glioblastoma grade four to draw my dad's attention to Jesus. And on December 14th, 2007, my dad said yes to Jesus Christ as his follower and his leader. And here's what I saw happen. I saw a man who is characterized by depression owned by alcoholism and just a general cranky fella, right? This is who he was. He knew it. He was a self-proclaimed hermit, and he lived it out well. And I saw God transform him and fill him with joy and fill him with hope. And his heart, we spent more time studying the scriptures and praying together than I, than I didn't know you could spend that much time with somebody doing that kind of stuff. God transformed his life through this moment. I had an earthly perspective on God's will. Do you see? I was angry because I was focused on this. And God was saying, hey, you got to know. I have something larger in store than what you can see and understand right now. What are you fighting against God about? Because you have this vision and this focus as opposed to an eternal perspective, trusting God's will with all spiritual wisdom. Right? This, is, this is what Paul's inviting the clock. This is what he's praying for. This, this is what, that's, why, that's why Paul prays for disciples to have knowledge of God and his will because it leads us to live our lives. This is what Paul says. When you have this, when you have this understanding, when you have this trust, when you have this eternal perspective that leads you to live lives worthy of the Lord and, and it pleases him. There's one caveat on that there. You have to know this. You and I will never be able to live our lives worthy of the Lord without Jesus. You have to know that. There is no scenario where you on your own come to Jesus and God, and God or yeah, you come to God and he goes, oh, that's very well done. Come on in. You don't need Jesus. You have done well on your own. <laughs> that doesn't work that way. That never happens. We're only made worthy in Christ. And what Paul is saying is that when we have an eternal perspective on life, when we begin to think very differently, instead of like this, we begin to look like and think like this, right? The outflow of that is we begin to live in a way that ends up being similar to the character of Jesus. I want you to think about this. Jesus Christ lived every moment of his life 
focused on God, focused on eternity. He had the eternal perspective, and every moment of his life was committed to the pleasure and the glory of God. This is what Paul's talking about. And he's saying, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit actually empowers us to live with that same kind of focus. And so Paul prays that disciples would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. By the way, if you look at those verses, there's like this momentum building that happens in that passage, right? It starts out like this, right? Knowing God's will, right, in spiritual wisdom and, and all of that, it leads to pleasing God, to living this life that's worthy, that's, that's pleasing to him. And then that leads to bearing fruit, which is this transformed life, right? It's this transformed life that displays the character of God. This is transformed life that shares the gospel, uh, everywhere we go, letting other people, you know, getting the invitation in on that. And then you see the back end of that where it says this, after you've got this bearing of the fruit that's happening there, it says this, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so here, here's what Paul is saying. I love this. He's saying, the more you know God, the more you'll know God. You know, he's like, isn't that cool? You know, the more you know God, the more you'll know God. And that will change your life. And so Paul prayed for disciples to know God. But he also prayed that they'd be strengthened with patience and endurance. Why is he praying that they would be strengthened with patience and endurance? If we can be transparent. Now, if you're here and you're like new to faith, you're investigating this whole thing, you're not sure where you land on this whole, you know, Jesus and following him and and all of that, I'm going to let you in on something. Following Jesus is challenging. You need to know that, right? It's, it's actually challenging, right? Jesus says things like this, you know, uh, the way of life, that, uh, that pathway is really narrow, and it's hard. Jesus says things like this, um, if you want to come after me, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to pick up your cross, and then you come follow me, right? So this whole concept of following Jesus is challenging, right? It's, it's, it's difficult, okay? And the reason is, think about this. When we start following Jesus, we have now placed placed ourselves in intentional opposition to the culture of the world. And we're constantly swimming upstream. Think about that. Because, Because Jesus says things like, deny yourself, follow him, right? Crucify your passions and your desires. And what is the message of the opposition to that, right? The message is this. If it feels good, do it. And if it doesn't feel good anymore, stop doing it and go find something else that feels better, right? And if you can't, just do whatever you want until you can find that other thing. And Jesus says, no, that, that doesn't work at all. And actually, if you're going to be a disciple, that's not, that's not how it plays out in any way whatsoever. So we're constantly swimming upstream. And then, right, think about this. Uh, as disciples, the, the Holy Spirit is constantly transforming our lives. He's constantly changing us. He's constantly challenging us, Right? He's pushing back on some of our sinful desires. And that leads us to regularly confessing to Jesus. You know what confession is? This is what confession, let me tell you in like layman's terms what confession is. I was wrong. How many of you love saying that? (laughs) And when you follow Jesus, do you know what? You end up saying to Jesus nearly every day, multiple times a day, like almost all day, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I realized that I was trying to take over leadership of my life again instead of trusting you. I'm sorry I was wrong. I I know your way is better, and I'm giving it back to you. That's confession. That's repentance, right? Repentance isn't this, like, perfect form of a prayer, and now you're in the club. 
No, repentance and confession is I was wrong, you're right, you're the king, I'm not. And I'm going to follow you. Keep transforming my desires and my hopes. Renew, I'm renewing my submission, my submission to you. And so following Jesus is challenging. But that's why Paul prays for strength. Right? That's, that, that's why he prays for endurance. He prays for patience. But then he says with joy, because you have to catch this. Following Jesus is challenging. And following Jesus is good. You will never find anything better to do with your life than to follow Jesus. I don't care what your greatest thrill is. It will never match knowing Jesus and walking hand in hand with him. That's what Jesus is saying here. Yeah, man. Well, you just did. Yeah, you just did. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I give you a dap. (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. And some of you know that. And some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. Because it doesn't happen until you say yes. Until you say yes, until you abandon yourself and you give yourself to Christ, you don't, you don't get what you're talking about. That's like, what? What do, you, what do you mean? Why are you so excited? Why are you so pumped? That doesn't make any sense. Submission? Oh, no. So he prays for strength, but he also prays that these disciples would give thanks to the Father. And I want you to notice, look at what Paul gives thanks for. He doesn't give thanks for the house. He doesn't give thanks for the boats. He doesn't give thanks for the good health. He doesn't give thanks for the smoothness and the kind of life that never has to deal with any uh, you know, of, of the potholes or the speed bumps on the road of life. You don't find any of that in the things that Paul gives thanks for. He says, I pray that you would regularly give thanks to the Father for the gift of grace, for the gift of mercy, for the gift of forgiveness, for the gift of salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ, that you would give thanks for that. Because that's the centerpiece of life. And what do we do when somebody gives us a really good gift? We thank them, all right? We thank them. I mean, think about it. And how do you thank the person that gives you the absolute greatest gift you could ever have in your life? You thank them. And you enjoy the gift. And then you thank them again. And you enjoy the gift. And then you thank them again. Right? And then you wash, rinse, and repeat. Right? For eternity. Like you just keep going. You never stop. This is what Paul's saying. He said, man, I hope you find the joy Right? I, if you would just allow yourself to be delighted by the gospel, don't you realize that everything else pales? It pales. It doesn't even come close. I love how Paul displayed the gospel in verses 12 through 14. Right? Here's basically what he's saying. He says, listen, this salvation that's been given to you that we're thanking him for all the time. Right? He says, listen, God's the one. God's the one who through Christ... He's the one who enabled you to reach the standards you'd never be able to reach by yourself. That's what it says when he says you've been qualified, right? There's this standard that you on your own can never reach no matter what you do, how awesome you are, how much money you make, how many friends you have, how much joy and pleasure and sensuality you can fill into your life. You will never meet the standard by yourself, but it's been met in Christ for you, right? 
He says, God's the one who caused you to do that. God's the one who provided your share in his inheritance along with all of the other holy ones. God's the one who delivered you from the dominion of darkness. God is the one who transferred you into the kingdom of his son. That Jesus is the one who provides your redemption. Jesus is the one who provides your forgiveness of sin. And Paul prays that we will never, 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 never lose sight of this precious gift. Because all the other stuff just doesn't carry any lasting meaning. And Paul prays that we would always be more excited to share about the hope we have in Jesus than we would the fact that we got the job, the fact that we closed on the house, the fact that we got this great new washing machine that I never have to do anything with ever again. Right? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I hope... And it's not that you can't bless God. It's not that you can't thank God for those things. But the, here's, you know what the question is that Paul's really asking? Are, are you in love with God's stuff? Or are you in love with God? That's the question he's asking. That's what he's inviting us to think about. Do, do I love him? Or do I love the, the fact that every time he shows up, he brings cookies? You know what Paul's praying for here as he exposes all of this stuff, right? Praying for, for knowing God's will, praying for strength, praying, uh, praying, or praying for power, and then praying uh, that we would give thanks. You know what he's praying for? Paul's praying for the spiritual growth of these disciples. That's what he's praying for. See, I'm praying you would mature. I'm praying, you would, I'm praying you'll grow up, man. I love you guys. God is doing amazing things in you. And I pray you'll keep on growing up. And so what Paul's doing is he's praying for the spiritual growth of these disciples. And so I think one of the things that because of what Christ is doing in us, that what is he, not only is he pulling back the curtain on how he prays, he's actually inviting us to pray along with him for other disciples too, right? The fact that we can pray for each other. We can pray for one another to know God so that we can know God. We can pray for one another to be strengthened with endurance and with patience. We can pray for one another that our lifestyles would be marked by thanksgiving for God's grace and his hope, right, that comes through Jesus Christ alone. And so as we pray, you got to catch this, as we pray for others to grow spiritually, do you know what happens in our own lives? We start growing spiritually, right? It's just like this reciprocal thing. It doesn't even make sense. That as I'm praying for you to grow, I'm praying for you to know God, I'm praying for you to be strengthened, I'm praying for you to give thanks, right? The Holy Spirit is doing the exact same thing in that I'm asking him to do in you. And so I want to I invite you to take a step today. Everybody, right? Everybody here, you know, if you're, if you're a born-again believer, I want to invite you, everybody at Bluffton, everybody on online campus, I want to invite you to take a next step with me today. And here's the next step. I want you to make the decision right now. Just make the decision right now. You don't have to go nowhere. You have to raise your hand. You don't have to run the aisles. Nothing, right? Just make the decision that you're going to pray for another disciple, right? You're going to pray for another disciple every day, another person. That's what I invite you to do, that you would pray for another person every day. Now, in our passage that we're studying, Paul is talking about disciples praying for disciples, but I think if he were here today and go, hey, Paul, is it like, okay, if we pray for people who aren't of faith? I think he would go, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, way. Uh, and so, um, so, this, so this morning, 
we, you can pray. Like, I'm going to decide I'm going to pray for someone else who's a believer. I'm going to pray for another person who isn't a believer. So here's what I'm inviting you to do. Right now, if you're like a writer of notes, I want you to get your pen and your note thing, you know, your bulletin, your scratch pad, your whatever you got. I want you to get those out literally right now. And if you're like, ah, I don't do writing, I T9 this baby, right? Okay, I want, you to, I want you to get your phone and open up your text or open up your notes or open up your email, whatever it is that you do. And here's what I want you to do. Right now, literally right now, I want you to just start writing down the names of 15 people you know. Just right now, just go. Like, don't even stop. Don't even think about these names. Just start writing down these names. Family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, people who bother you, right? I feel like my name's going to show up right now that I just, you know, he's making me do this so stupid. I'm, I'm praying for Fritz. He never does this again. Um, and so uh, write them all down. I'm giving you time right now. We're going to pause. I timed how long it takes to write down 15 names. That's how much time I'm giving you, right? So just do it. Wherever you're at, Bluffton, take time. Do it right now. Online, type it up. Get your phone. It's okay to have your phone out. It's all right. Put them all down. Okay, some of you are on 13. All right. Okay, all right. Here we go. Here's what I want you to do. Over the next 15 days, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for one person on your list each day. Just one. Not all 15, just one. So you're going to pray for one person over the next 15 days. Start at the top of your list today and then go to the next person every day and just pray for one person each day. And here's what I want to invite you to pray. I want you to pray for them that they would know God. Pray that they would know God so that they can know God. Pray for them that they would be strengthened with endurance and with patience that comes with joy. Pray for them that the Holy Spirit would transform their lives to be one that gives thanks for the gospel, whether they're a believer or not, right? Because we want people who don't know who Jesus is to know Jesus. We want people who don't know who Jesus is to know him and be strengthened by him, right? All of that. So every day you're going to do that. And here's the other thing. I want you to go one step further. I want you to go, here's, here's like the bonus round. I want you to go one step further, and the person you're praying for, I want you to reach out to them. And I want you to tell them specifically you're praying for them. And let me encourage you, the more personal, the better. If you're like, I think an email would be good, go to a text. If you're like, I think I would send a text, make it a phone call. Because well, I think I could call this person and let them know, ask to meet up with them. Whatever you think is good, go one step further. If you're like, well, I'm with them, I can't go anymore, enter into their mind. Right? No, I don't know. I don't Yeah, I don't. I think, I think probably just being in with them is the most you can go. Um, but just let them know. And even ask them this, is there a specific way I can pray for you? Because it's, a, it's powerful when we start help praying for one another to grow spiritually because it's happening in our lives too. Listen, I, let me say this from a personal standpoint. There are times when you know, I'm out by myself or I'm with my family and we're at the store or we're at a restaurant or whatever, and, and many times uh, many of you will actually stop me or stop my family while we're out um, and, and you'll, you'll say something along these lines. You'll say, hey, I just wanted you to know that I've been praying for you. Some of you will, will say, uh, my family or I pray for you every Friday, and I pray for you and your family every week. I cannot express how thankful I am to be a part of a church family that prays for me consistently. It's a reminder that I am not alone, and it's a reminder that this is not about me. And it's a reminder that there's this whole family that loves Jesus deeply along with me. 
I know how good that means, how, how good it is and what it means to me. And so here's what I'm inviting you to do. Give that away to other people too. I am not the only one who faces battles. I'm not the only one who has challenges in his life. I'm not the only one who has a wife that has to deal with me, right? <laughs> Everybody, everybody's battling something. Everybody's face. How, how amazing would it be to be like at the end of your rope one day and you get this phone call out of the blue and they say, hey, how are you today? And you go, oh, I'm just fine. You go, okay, I just wanted you to know I was praying for you. God led me to pray for you today. Can you imagine what that would mean to someone? Like a, we're talking about a 30-second phone call. It could change someone's life. It's so easy. Literally, two Sundays ago, I was worshiping uh, with the Bluffton community family, and at the end of the service, uh, I was talking with my friend Amanda, and I just said, hey, Amanda, how are you doing? And she's like, I'm okay. And it was the okay that was like, yeah, I'm okay, but there's like other stuff, and I feel like... And I understood. I was like, yeah, I get it. And so like literally right there, people are packing up or whatever. I just can I pray for you right now? And she said, yeah, you can. So we just prayed together for like... 15 seconds wasn't that long, right? Like, that's, that's, this is the investment I'm talking about, right? Disciples, imagine for just a moment, imagine how could God use your prayers in the lives of other people? Imagine how God could use our church families as we pray for one another to know God, to be strengthened, to continually give thanks. Bluffton, how, how could your city be transformed? Because, because we pray. How could God change the spiritual temperature, the spiritual climate of Allen County? Because you pray, because we pray. Like Lighthouse, think about Hancock County. How could God begin to change this county? How could he begin to heal Hancock County? Because church families all around committed themselves to pray. Can you imagine the ways that the Holy Spirit will change how we navigate trials? because we pray. Many of us are actually going to find freedom from sin that has been badgering us down for years and even decades, and it's not going to come because you got smarter. It's going to come because of prayer. Some of you are going to find healing because of prayer. How will prayer change the things that we get excited about? We give thanks for, we celebrate. God's teaching us how to pray. Let's lean into that. I want to invite you to bow your heads at all of our locations. Bow your heads, close your eyes. We ask the same question every morning, and it's simply this Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I want you to take a moment to listen. For joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.